Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. As you hopefully know, but if not, to help you get a little bit familiar, uh, what we do here is we talk about radical change and specifically um, in the afternoons, we have been talking about radical disruption and specifically talking about power and what that looks like. And last week, I had the absolute pleasure of having my good friend and colleague, Sana A. Khan, join me. And we started a discussion series all around power. And what power looks like when you are talking about black and brown women and our experience when it comes to corporate America and what does that experience look like? And so, you know, some of you have heard my story before. I have been in corporate America my entire career. And my um, first actual job that I ever had, paying, ja- paying job where they took taxes, um, was a position where I was tasked with um, implementing a fax machine and then incorporating the fax machine into all of our business processes. So I began my career as a technologist. I began my career as a change leader and I began my career in business actually helping leaders to optimize their business practices. And so, you know, what happens as you, um, you know, navigate the corporate world, um, you know, over a career of, of time, right? Whether you're talking about two years, five years, 10 years, or decades, when you happen to be the only person in the room, right? So whether you are talking about, um, you know, the only woman, being the only black woman, being the only person of any, um, you know, melanated background, being from the African diaspora, you know, um, period, you know, I mean, whatever, um, that situation is being, the only can be a very, very lonely um, situation, right? And so what happens is you do develop um, uh, coping mechanisms and specific skills, right? So that you can navigate those spaces. And, you know, the conversation that Sana and I started having last week was really around how you have 
decisions and choices to make at all of these different junctures. And so, um, hey, hey, Sana Sana, how you doing, girl? So I was just kicking us off, um, just kind of, you know, reminding people um, just, you know, a little tiny bit of what we talked about. But specifically, I was just now saying that, you know, when you find yourself being the only person, right, whether it's on your team, yeah. in your whole organization, your department, yeah. your section, right, or, or even on a specific project, that's one element, right, of of stress and one way that you are on the very beginning going to think about how you operate, right, within this construct. So I had told the crowd, um, I guess a couple of weeks back, but you had this really um, good way that you said that, you know, in every, and maybe, and I'm going to paraphrase it my way, but You're jump in and correct it. But you had this really good way basically of saying that in every situation, right, we're at a game. And the decision is, how are you going to play your position at any one given time? So that's what this series is. And that's what we're going to talk about. And, you know, we had shared a little last week about, you know, how we were going to take that conversation, you know, um, in inward and outward, right, and, and help people be able to look at it in the context of, you know, their own career and decisions that they make. So we're just going to start it from there. So I'm going to just sip on my tea for a second and say, how you doing? You know, how is the week um, treating you? You know, we had some, the news is always bad, but you know, hey, you hanging in there? Um, yes. <laughs> That's a summary sentence. Um, I would say it's funny because um, I find that I'm so expressive in real life and, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Right. Um, I remember this, I went to the session once and there were four women, you know, in the professional space that sitting next to each other. And one was a doctor from Nigeria and she's living in the States. And uh, I said, yeah, my name is Sana. And she said, oh, did you know Sana in Swahili means a lot? And I said, yes, I am a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say that I am so a lot. But when it, when I was watching the replay of our September 25th session, the sort of intro, you know, level set, um, I was like, I barely look at the screen. Like, I barely look at, like, actually the camera. Like, I, you know, it doesn't really. And I think that says a lot about how I've been trained or how I self-trained in corporate to do, and just not even in corporate, whether it was grad school, corporate, personal life, you know, that how do I become absolutely amenable? So that my voice and my thoughts are coming across. But I learned that the way to do that is to minimize everything else. Um, and so, you know, like whether that's what we we're talking about last time, you know, blow drying your hair into gorgeous curls or, you know, but that are soft curls and smooth curls and aren't agitating for anybody else. Right. Um, they're, you know, like what we call whiteness curls. Right. Um, and I realized that, like, I want to look at the screen more. I want to look at the camera more. I want to be more engaged. And um, so that's some, some just since our last session, aside from, you know, having just gotten married now at almost four weeks and a car, you know, that is just got towed from Verrazano Bridge to the, the mechanic shop today and uh, parents leaving in two weeks back for Pakistan. There's just so much going on. But in the middle of that, I was thinking about our session and I was thinking, one, end better. So I'm going to let you end with <laughs> more time. But two, also look more directly um, at the audience. And 
And three, some of the topics that came up today, I would say like I was on a different thread on LinkedIn and I don't know if the gentleman joined, but his name is Jared Carroll and he posts something about outrage. Um, and Bondi tagged you in it as well because I thought, hey, this is really resonating with what we were going to talk about in this specific session. Um, you know, with September 25th sort of being the check-in overall and then October 2nd being the outside, you know, and then or what is without, and then next week on the 9th will be within, right? Uh, and then uh, we sort of go into what does it mean to integrate both? And then finally on the on the 16th, and then on the 25th, uh, I think that would be 23rd of, of, uh, of October, we would then go into, well, what does it mean then? How do you use that, right? How do you use that in your tech career then? How do you use that in any area? So today is really about without, and I think we have some really good parallels. I think we should, we should also, also cover rage at some point today, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love all of that. I mean, that, I think that's spot on. And, you know, these conversations, the more we have, right. And the further we can get them, you know, more, more widely distributed, the better. Because let me tell you, these are things people aren't talking about. Because right. that there is that sense of, you know, what happens if I speak out, right? Or or because of that conditioning that we have, back to hair. So this morning, if you get a chance, when you get a chance, check out the one I did this morning with Dawn and Erica. Con? Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. It's like Yeah. Yeah. So so Erica so Dawn, um, when when she came on screen, she reminded me of it triggered uh, a incident that I had at work one time. Mm. So she had her hair, her hair is natural too, right? Mm. But she had it like pinned back a little on one side. Mm. And it reminded me of one time I came to work on a Monday mm. and I, my hair was almost her length, right? Very mm. similar in style. Mm. And I had it just a little different than I normally did. Mm. And didn't somebody say to me, Sana, mm. oh, did you wash your hair this weekend? And then I was like, so, I <laughs> so then it, this ended up like, we had this entire, you know, hair conversation, mm -hmm. right? Like about, you know, being triggered by this lack of it being okay to be, be who you are and be different. Because if somebody doesn't like your curls or they have a question about it, they have the right to either touch you or ask you about it. Yeah. But, but when you think about it, right? Nobody ever asked men those. I have never heard any man of any ethnicity, except for one time, this man, he was Native American and his hair was all the way down here. And he said he does get, and he wears it in two braids or mm -hmm. one braid. And he said he does get people saying like stuff, but they don't touch his hair. But right. other than that one person. There's a respect it, for space. Right. I've not heard men say a person has tried to touch their hair or ask a, a detailed question about it other than saying, oh, hey, nice haircut, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about all of those ways that we show up differently in those spaces, right? I, I, I think just start there. So like, I mean, when yeah. you think about how you want to start the frame of, of this, right? For people, yeah. how, how do you want to, how do you want to just, you know, just start it? I think I want to talk about uh, I mean, the word trigger is a very, um, it's a therapeutic word as well, right? Like it's, it's a very, what I mean by that is that it's, um, therapeutic is not the right term. 
it's a term that is also used in psychiatric terms, right? And psychological terms it's, and psychotherapy terms is what I actually meant to say. Um, so I don't want to use it like, uh, I, I don't want to be misunderstood for what I'm going to say now, right? But uh, let me keep it sort of in the, yes, I'm going to make it more layman about it in terms of the work that I've done and what I've realized. So I think, I feel if we look at this, right, whether you're in a tech career or you're going to tech career or you've been in school and you've had these sort of situations, like you said, Vonda, right, where things come up. How do we and really, I think this is where we always want to go to because it's in the movies and it's everywhere that people who just don't get phase, right? It's called being unfuckable with, right? It's being unmessable with. And it's such a thing, like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Mrs. Smith or spy movies. And what is it about people that are so badass? Yeah. That we connect that badassness to a sense of being able to hide emotions or minimize or expand as needed, right? So you can become a little birdie and become a phoenix all in one go, and that you just know when to do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's just start with saying that there is an idolism or an idolizing of that kind of um ability to switch on and off and morph right and is that what we call you know how people we use that term resilience Mm -hmm. oh she's so resilient what's the other terms we say resilient tough Um, strong adaptable adaptable amenable to what you said earlier amenable um just uh, being wise uh being intuitive often it's like awareness in corporate they call it awareness right so awareness in corporate becomes what I've come to realize on the surface of it. Awareness is being customer aware, being team member aware, being aware of who's speaking and who's not, who's being heard, and who's not. But then there's a background awareness of like, well, what is the culture that you're dealing with here? Right. And the way that those in power will say it, right. Or on Jared Carroll's thread, what was coming up was the concept of, you know, like what we talk about oppressor when there's an oppressive culture whether it's an entity or a person or a group um, or a practice, right? Or it's a, it's a specific cultural practice. How do we then deal with that? And I think the first thing I want to say is that on one hand, it's already idolized to be able to morph. And if you can't morph to be able to minimize as needed, especially for women and for men, it's how do you, how do you spend? So I always say um, without making it too gender, because the, it's not that we can't go into that because everything is gendered, frankly, um, but you know, it's that in terms of the time and we want to focus what today's session is really going to focus on if, someone, if you agree, but I think you do is we have these environments around us, whether, you know, we're female or male, but of course, as a female, there's a lot more that we're unaware of that we've already learned to do. Like, for example, not flirt, um, and that not being okay or feeling violated when somebody flirts with us right? Unless it's permissible or we've created that environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know many men who feel violated when they're flirting. It doesn't matter the environment. It doesn't matter they're married. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. to be violated is specifically reserved for the feminine body, for the feminine mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about it like this, I feel like keeping that as a context that so that's there, what does it mean to not not be triggered? But to be aware that a trigger is coming, that a trigger is here, but then how do you manage that trigger? And so I think what gets lost in some of the threads online is that there's really two types of conversations happening. One, 
is, you know, all these, you know, the high performance mindset, the meditative mindset, the transformation mindset, all that cool stuff, right? And I think where Jared Carroll's thread was also, I'm totally assuming, but it was one of, you know, I do not get outraged. And I know that because I've had hours of conversation with my core coach about this. Um, you know, and he's based in Costa Rica and he's, you know, like, it's he's had you know muji as one of his coaches and stuff right so he's he's in that space and his point is going to be from a purity even just eastern philosophy perspectives how do you not get so moved by something that's happening around you now what we're going to just create a distinction on and then i'm going to let you take it the next step is that there is a a very there's a nuanced level of understanding of not feeling like you're being questioned in your feelings and your experience. And even if others are questioning you, you get to hold your solid ground because you know, and your people know, and you have a community around you that knows and believes you that what your experience is, is real. And that these methodologies, when they come up, it's not just that you're lacking and it's a linear process that today you're feeling triggered tomorrow. If you're further along the linear process of, of transformation or a performance or you know, being un unmessable with, then you would not get triggered, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not the way, this is not how Eastern methodology is. This is actually a very, this is a co-opted version of how our modern sort of Western approach, right? Our corporate, mm -hmm. corporatized approach, heavy masculine approach, heavy military approach, which is the, which is the root of corporate culture, right? It comes from the military, like, you know, chain of, like the hierarchy, chain of command, these mm -hmm. are in military terms, right? So when nothing's wrong with that per se, but there's a lack of balance there. And so the lack of balance then comes up when we elevate the other side, which is you can totally be with your feelings and emotions. You should have the cycles to feel the rage and be able to express in healthy and safe ways and containers with people that you trust. And when people are not at the place you are or they don't understand you, how do you then use those safe spaces to fill your tank to then manage those environments? Uh -huh. Because that person ain't going to be there to handle and receive your rage and, and glory, right? That right. The fire and the so it's, it's really being able to create that distinction between, oh, I must be this way because, you know, Confucius said this or Rumi said this or et cetera, et cetera. And then looking to that as like a, oh my God, I'm still not there. How come white people get there before me? There are a ton of reasons why they're there, right? If they're yeah. That are there already. Um, and then how do I do this my own way? And that, yeah, I do have healing to do because there are hundreds of years of trauma here and it just sucks, but it's there. The healing is there. It needs to happen. Yeah. We get to get there in our space without it being a linear thing. So I am. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. So I think the way I would back it up to start with is when I look at it, my first thought is, okay. As an individual person, right, right? If we do, if we are healthy and, and blessed enough to have full possession of our faculties, okay? And, yeah. and, and we are also privileged enough, right? Privileged. To even be listening and, and being able to even listen in or tune into this conversation right here today. We start with this basis that I see as like where we have to define for ourselves what is important to us mm -hmm. that makes up who we are. So mm -hmm. when I think about me, I think my integrity is very, very important. But also as a black woman living in America and having to navigate life, I know that my physical, 
financial safety and security and that of my family, specifically my daughter, is always in risk and jeopardy. So every move I'm making, including in corporate, mm -hmm. including in career, including in communication, including in whatever, is always made with that balance that, you know, uh, uh, American, white, skinned, appearing, non-accent having cis hetero person doesn't have those challenges are not even something that's in their radar of concern so right. i think that starting starting it at a point where maybe we can say all right you at a very early point whether it's while you're still an undergrad or before you even decide what kind of career you think you might want is to start to examine, especially as a woman, especially yeah. as a black or brown woman, examine what kind of person you want to be in this world. So I used to, uh, I don't know if I told you, I, I used to teach junior achievement um, economics for fourth graders yeah. for 14 years. Wow, I had no idea about that. I only uh -huh. knew that career. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. No so for 14 years, part-time, right? It mm -hmm. was like, it was like, you know, little six-week sessions. But I did them, you know, three times a year, four times a year for 14 years over and over. I always did fourth grade. Every now and then I did first grade or third grade. But in fourth grade, right, and this is years ago. So now I haven't taught junior team announcements about since I moved to Oregon. So since 2014. So it's been seven years since I stopped, right? But um, I used to ask the fourth graders, what kind of life do you envision for yourself? And what do you imagine you want to have and be and do? So, for example, you might not know what a doctor's job is nine to five. So you might not be able to tell me you want to be a doctor, mm. but you might be able to say, you know, right. I want to work during the daytime, be happy, do something that's interesting or fulfilling in some way. Mm. And at the end of the day, I want to come home or go to the gym, hang out with friends, family, do a hobby, whatever. Yeah. And then maybe I'll do it the next day if I feel like it or I'll wait a couple of days. But I don't want my life to be about this difficult thing. But I do want to be comfortable and have stuff. So I would try to tell 9 and 10-year-olds that at this very early age, you can start thinking about the type of life you want. So right. when it comes to you thinking about your career, when you become collegiate age, right, or when you first graduate, and even if you don't know the exact company, which I don't think is a strategy, but the exact job you want to have or the exact role, having an idea of what you want that to be like and what you want it to feel like and how you want to operate, right? right. So we right. talked before about there are a lot of people, and I'm sure we have done it in the past. I know I've in the past have worked in places that I wasn't happy, but I needed those healthcare benefits. Mm. Or I have friends who needed to help their parents, right? Because they had to become a caretaker, right? Or 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 other friends who maybe, you know, um, had a split from their partner and had to become the sole breadwinner. So right. you may work in a position or at a place that's not 100% your top first choice, but while you're there, Hmm. You know, your other goals are helping you stay there. Yeah. So when you think about growing your career, 
and stepping and belonging and being and feeling like you can be who you are and mm. be respected and valued for your input and your considerations. Mm. We should all be able to do that, but it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't work like that for us. Mm. Right mm. now, some of us, we, 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 it works out and we can get to a certain point. Yeah. Playing the games the, the right way. Yep. So, so, so start with there. What is yeah. that mindset to have? Right. Once, even before you get mm. familiar with the, mm. that particular playing field, because everywhere is different, right? A hundred thousand, hundred thousand person company is different than a 15,000 person company. Right. Or 150 person company, which is where I was at 25. That's where I started my corporate career. So, so talk about how do you start off? Like, what is that beginning even way you need to think about, right? That mindset. Um, to give people yeah. the, the, the level set for a minute. So I think what's interesting about this, because uh, now hindsight twenty twenty for me, right? I'm in a very different place now. I didn't think I would get here, but yeah, it was like a fantasy. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be so, you know, but what would it look like? I couldn't even imagine it actually. It was so like to, to your point about not knowing what's out there for us, right? Or what is possible like in that journey once you start a certain process. Um, but I was definitely that person that was impacted by everything around me. I still am someone who has strong emotional, uh, you know, sort of an empathic tendency, I would say like, you know, to, to empathize with people and things like that. I used to paint and I, I still do more rarely though, but I, you know, speaking, debating, acting like you, you name it. I was missed like, liked by a lot of people also not liked by a lot of people. Um, but it was usually a case of like, well, you know, um, I, I wanted to make people happy. And because what I, what I was doing was making me happy, but everybody else was also happy with me. It was great. Uh, where I think this started sort of going off the edge for me a little bit. And I realized, wow, there's a dependence here on people like approving of me. Because it really comes down to approval, right? And approval starts early. It starts with our parents or whoever is our caretaker. It starts with crime and punishment and it starts with doing something good and being rewarded carrot and stick right so it starts very early in like oh if you go near fire this is going to happen you as a child still try and then you find out if you get burned oh yeah this is not great so that process continues on through your, throughout your life where you go near something and if you get burned you're like oh not that Right. And I think as we continue learning these lessons, we start putting ourselves further and further into a box. Yes, of course, it's external circumstances that other people might or might not be validating irrelevant. Why? Because it'll when we really drop into just the quietness of it. Right. Say you're like at a dead end. And I'm going to tell you that story this time of what it meant for me to be at a dead end. Um, and you're like, OK, now what? You know, I can sit here and talk about other people and what has happened. Sure. I've been a victim in certain circumstances. Yes. Now, but what, where do I go from here? And so I think it takes a while to get to that point. That's the first thing. For some people, it'll be by their, by the time they're 12. For others, it'll be by the time they're like 18. And it can happen. Usually it happens with something that you really care about. That's where it starts. So it'll start at home, right? Or your personal relationships. For women, because it's not, you know, it's not until recently been, and that's even now it's depends on the environment, you know, in, in 
like truth if they really welcome you to talk about your personal life versus when they say authentic self, which is the conversation we had last time, right? Um, and I think there's still a general idea that you keep that into your, your personal life in at home. And that's what's proper for women. And so, but that's why women don't ever really, like, I think many women don't get to address this, really get into it deeply from a place of power, like they would with their career and their profession. But if you as a woman, or even as a man, want to really address these things um, and choose how to show up and stuff, that'll happen across every area of life. And where that got triggered for me was, that process, was when I was in, um, even as early as high school, and then moving into undergrad. So there's a certain perception of the person that I was. I literally have comments written on my uniform because we wear uniforms in Pakistan. You know, I, you know, I'm excited to see you become prime minister. That was the reputation I had. Right. And I can see that. I could see like easy as day. Yes. I have another friend that, um, you know, she's not a prime minister, but she could damn sure be. And I remember when I met her, oh, maybe almost 10 years ago, I was thinking, like, so you have that, right? And and even when we yeah. talked about names, right, yeah. and origin of names and back to being too much, yeah. right? And and the bottom line is you're not too much. It's just other people aren't enough. Or, and, and, and to your point, when it's that... Even that person's not enough. Otherwise, like, even they see themselves as too much. Otherwise, they wouldn't be playing the not enough game, right? The not enough is another game that we play, right? Approval is a game we play, right? Um, and as, and, and this is where I'm, and I think the two top, the two pieces that are going to come up, the two words that are trigger words also for women who've been victims and people who have triggers from trauma is how we end up responding to victimness and how we end up responding to our triggers, right? Now, no one can tell you what is good or bad for you on that, um, except maybe you're a therapist, right? Which I advocate everybody should have a therapist because just like you go to the gym for your body, you go to a cardiologist for your heart, you go to a dietitian for your eating, you go to you know a trainer for getting healthy in that, and we don't question any of that. Why do we question going to a therapist? Right. For your mind. For your right. Life. Why do we right. And it's such a critical thing to do. And you can do other things with it. You know, you can get a therapist that makes room for you to feel your feels and really see yourself in the mirror, right? And be able to work through that. And you can get a coach to kick your butt a little bit to put you in action as you know those feels and what you're going to do next, right? Yeah. So these things aren't like, oh, I do this or that. Like, you don't, like I say, you don't brush your teeth or brush your hair. You do both, right? So it's one of those things where you kind of, You've got to address all the elements of who we are. Coming back to what your question was, the I think the short version of it is that I went through different situations of son as a high performer, right? In grad school, I was like really young compared to the other people that were in that in that cohort. It was the first year cohort of the University of Southern California Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism Public Diplomacy Program. And it was, uh, you know, backed by state departments and you know, governments. And it was all about how do we communicate with publics? So if you have high diplomacy, how do we also have public diplomacy supporting the process? But it also came from a place of knowing that in the States, uh, propaganda in the 1950s had been called public diplomacy. And it was, you know, during the Cold War. And I was doing this grad program because I 
wanted to do political science at the time. And I figured that this, this program was a sort of a nexus between communication, strategic communication and the business side and the politics side and the international relations side. So for me, it was like home. But being there, I experienced something very different. And one of the most difficult things for me, which started in the United States, as I sort of came into that frame of speaking more of my voice, and then it continued on until certain choices I made recently, right? Um, was this idea that, you know, if I was going to be myself, I was going to be um, targeted by people around me. And it started actively happening. Like there would be certain people that just get more intense about or critical of the way of what I was doing or bringing up. And some people would say, oh, Sana, you're so good at this and so good at that. And don't worry, that's just jealousy. Or you need to work on this. You need to work on that. I'm like, is everybody talking to themselves though? Mm -hmm. need to work on or is this you know laundry list of stuff that needs to be worked on a thing that is reserved for women who are pretty smart and expressive so let's face it right that's also there go ahead you said so you said a whole lot you said so much so much so much i gotta go back to the The approval piece piece. by size it yeah yeah we gotta go back to the approval piece Because I think a key question when it comes to approval, because to your point, right, that is stuff that with which we are conditioned from our families. Right. So for people who grow up in the if you do this, then that family. Yep. Or the conditional love or the if you don't do this, then that family. Right. Or somewhere in between or the. Huh? Who are you? Whose kid are you? Or the get away from here or whatever dynamic you grew up in. Right. Exactly. You, you have to, at some point earlier, hopefully, right. Uh, rather than later, but be able to do a little bit of a self examination and think about when you make decisions, who are you making those decisions for? Like I can speak for myself as a mother. Right. The decisions that I made um, before I even knew I was going to have a baby until before she was born. Right. Until after night and day, because I started determining the way I was going to approve of myself was in how I wanted to show up and be an example and a heroine and a role model for my daughter. Right. So so I made that decision you know, 20 years ago, like, hey, this is, I can only be me, this authentic person, because I don't want her to grow up twisted, you know, thinking she has to be or do or whatever. So, so I think at ground level, at the foundational pieces, is saying to yourself, who do you want to be and show up? If, if you're, if your ultimate goal in any of the games, whether you talking, you know, a deep tech role, you know, you know, engineering or architects, right? Yep. Or you're talking about trying to get, you know, VC money because you're trying to, you know, do something bigger and you want to play, you know, with the SC, the SC contingent of folks out there. Whatever you're trying to do, you have to say, well, here's what I'm willing to do and here's what I'm not, right? Yeah. And you have to be okay with it. And you have to say, well, who's, whose approval do I care about? So it's so interesting. You know, when you think about 
your point around that family dynamic, right? And that family of origin, which helps us to define, you know, whose approval we need. That's something that you almost have to get out of as soon as possible, right? Because if you think about if you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you still looking for approval from people, you're going to, for a while, it would seem to continue to struggle with this. Yes, I do agree with you. And it will continue because, um, and and at the same time, I I mean, I agree with you on every single point you made. And I'm going to raise a couple of things that I've learned because I mentioned it earlier about linear. linear So when people, you know, like when, especially these days with as much as we've got going on, you know, and the mental health crisis is going on in the world right now and acceptance that, you know what, it is what it is. People are leaving their jobs saying F this, like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have time for this right now, whatever it is, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's justifiable or not is irrelevant. The point is mm-hmm. I'm just raising the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Um, and people are questioning what they're willing to take on at work or not. And I'm hearing this from multiple industries and multiple angles and, you know, combination of managers, individual contributors, directors, partners, etc. So what it really comes down to then is when this is our environment and normalcy is, you know, I would say, thank goodness, finally up in the air. Um, because normalcy was, you know, basically hiding from a lot of important things that have always been happening. And now we're actually trying to maybe address them. Let's see what. But the point is that we are going to is your decision and my decision. Mm-hmm. We've made that choice. So when people aren't making that choice of what they want to take on, what ends up happening is that you might have a fantastic life, living in New York, married, working corporate, et cetera, et cetera. But you feel like you're kind of uh, at the mercy, at the power of other people and other events. And things happen and you feel like your life is, you know, shaken up and it'll just keep happening. Till you actually, like, in some cases, you won't be able to do anything about it. Like, for example, I was walking on the street. Um, I was walking to one of my offices. Like, this was in 2000, I don't know, 11 to 13 or something like that. And maybe 12, 13. And uh, I was wearing, uh, you know, I was wearing stockings, pantyhose. Um, There's a reason I'm describing what I'm wearing. And I was wearing a skirt that was, like, right at my knees. And I was wearing, a, a you know, like, a smart suit jacket with my laptop bag i like listening to music um because it helps me sort of power walk it's like a lot of new yorkers do a lot of city people do and in the gap of the music when one song was finishing one song was ending i heard someone say there were a group of men there at a warehouse on the way on 34th to 33rd street and uh one guy says don't flirt with her man she's a terrorist he literally said what are you trying to do flirting with terrorists so when you have to hear things like that, um, mind you, my hair is open, all that stuff, right? Now, what I was taught as a young girl, whether I was getting pinched in the market and I didn't know who pinched me because it was someone passing by, but it happened to girls all the time, or I was being, you know, and that's one version. And the thing is that was less, that was less, that was traumatic, but it was less traumatic than this. And the reason for that is because that, you know, whatever society I'm in, when men are, you know, when you know that pinching is bad, right? Then you're all kind of okay with it because you know it's bad. Everybody's saying it's bad. But when you're in a society or an environment where what is bad and what is not bad is up for grabs and gets justified, then it's, you have a harder time managing the triggers then. Because what that person said, they said, 
This is right after the Boston bombing. And they were going to, you know, in their mind, they're in their own story and their own set of triggers. Yeah. Whatever they think their triggers are. And they're sitting there. Mind you, I'm also a woman who didn't pay attention to a man who was trying to holler at me. Right. So they have their own male bravado going on between themselves. Am I justifying it? Hell no. I was not okay with this. This was the first time in my life, maybe second time, I looked back at the person. And I just stood there and looked at them. And they cowered a little bit because they knew that in their testosterone, whatever they were trying to do, they did that. But it was not okay. Now, I have two choices then. I can either further engage or I can feel like I was seen in who I actually am and how how pathetic that was, frankly, right? Mean and pathetic both. And then I can just walk forward. And I can now when I'm walking forward, they're already in their own. They're like that card that went by. And they're like that card that went by, right? Now you're in your own zone again. And so how is that going to impact your next moment and next moment and next moment? It's not that you'll always get to choose that because there are certain things that you just get to be forgiving towards yourself because we all have, like you said, carrot stick mentality, you know, approval, wanting to be the best. Our parents wanted us to be safe. They didn't want us to be hurt or angry because they're both forms of feeling pain that you hide from yourself. Like I said in our last session. So in that training, we're going to create ways to not have to feel angry or sad because that's a, then we don't have to feel the pain. Mm -hmm. Feeling pain is important. Healing pain is everything because till you don't let yourself feel it and let it cycle through your body and then move your body, it hasn't exited. Yeah. There's now exercises that, you know, meditation leads will make you do, which is called like the animal shake. When dogs yep. kiss them and kiss them, they get shake down. it off. Shake it off. Why do they shake like that? Because they're moving the energy out. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I bring this up is because I can sit there and be upset. I can make up stories of what I should have said, how I could have reacted, what should have happened. If there's a cop nearby, oh, but a cop wouldn't have done anything anyway. They probably would have laughed. That's also a story because maybe the cop would have been really nice. Maybe the cop would have been black or brown. And maybe they would have seen it very differently. But either way, these are all stories. They're all flow charts in technology in just going into multiple angles. And thank you so much for saying that. Um, someone said that you have a situation where you yeah. appreciate it. And also that when you have, when you are faced with a trigger like this, when you are faced with an external event by a loved one, which will hurt more or by someone who you don't even know and don't, you know, it's irrelevant to your life, right? You will react in a myriad of ways and any of them are okay or not okay. Right. And people will say what was great and what not great. Right. Um, but you get to choose inside what feels aligned with you. And I think this is very important because it won't be. And this is the journey for each of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not you that's blowing in the wind because of these external circumstances that you righteously feel pain over and righteously feel wrong. They're wrong. Right. They shouldn't have happened. They're not fair. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you life's not fair. No, life can be very fair and exacting. But mm -hmm. it chooses timing. So it comes back at everybody, but it chooses timing. And there's a saying in Urdu, which is my native language, that the rope, the longer it is given leeway, the tighter it's going to pull. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the harder it's going to hurt them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so right. we say um, you give a person enough rope to hang themselves, mm. right? 
So similar thing, right? Um, and and it's like, and it's self induced, right? So, yeah. So to earlier, right? You 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 um uh hinted towards um a uh a decision versus you a know kind a choice, right? Versus that. Thank you for catching that. Right, right. And, and, and how you have the opportunity, right, to uh, address that and make it align. Yeah. With you. Like, but, but every message that you're getting, every, you know, I was thinking about what Farsine said when we were talking about propaganda. Mm. Every message we get is telling us to, if we want anything, any success, any progress, any recognition, any validation, any raise, any uh more shares, any, any approval, any Enough. approval, Enough. because those are all the um the the uh what do you call them the the trinkets of yep. approval, They're right? Lines, they're tag words that you right can, your search engine picks up on, yeah? right? Right to make you say, okay, now I'm 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 legit now because I got this, I got this, I got that. But when that stuff doesn't align with you. You know it and you feel it. And that's when I think you get to a point where you say, something ain't right here. Mm-hmm. Because you can't change the system. You can only change your response, your reaction. You can remove yourself, but you can't do anything about it, right? And to your point, Vaughn, sorry, go ahead and finish. Please. Right. So, right. So it's nothing that you can't do anything about it, right? right. And, and, and to the point of, the environment being such that you have such ignorance in terms of what people know and don't know to Maureen's exact point that it's more domestic terrorists here in America who were born here, who have white skin, who when they walk down the street are white appearing people. We, that's facts. Like that is proof. Like we know that. So it's so crazy, right? And like this, it's bananas that we always other, yeah. and it's not us because brown and black people. I don't think we do it to each other. Um, when we talk like other people from like because stuff like that boils me. Like I can't stand. But I'll it. tell you, it happens. So among and without, I'm just gonna take this as a quick sidebar. Yeah, it's like how last time we we're talking about being enough or not, and that like you know when you say, "Oh, you're too much." No, I'm not too much. You're not enough. It doesn't have to be the negative. And this is what I'm going to go mm-hmm. to you, which might not resonate or might resonate, but we get to think about this nuance between it, right? Yeah. It both resonate with us. Um, there's the knowing of what has happened. And somebody says, oh, it wasn't a big deal, right? There's people can be like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. They're just hollering at you. Um, or, you know, I mean, just, you know, they'll like brush it off to try to make me feel better, which people do all the time with people who are, for example, clinically depressed or going through things, right? Um, those, especially with black women, like when you went to the hospital, you have that experience, they'll try to minimize that shit. And it's because they're trying to just not feel the pain of what that experience would be like for them, because it's so natural for humans to imagine themselves in that situation. So before you even know what they're already reacting to that, mm-hmm. but they're minimizing it to not feel the pain or dismissing or justifying or getting angry or getting defensive or doing what about this or that. So this, and we saw this happen a lot in the last president's four years, right? It was in like total display, but it's mm-hmm. always been there. Mm-hmm. It's always been there. So when people come up with everything that they come up with and we break it all down, it really comes down. I want to talk about uh, for a second, 
what it means to be to find yourself. So there's this idea that like when we work in corporate, you know, that the we now say, hey, put yourself first. The yourself we're talking about that. Yes, there is family and there's immediate needs and there's taking care of yourself and your family. But I see plenty of people who play tons of games in politics and, you know, that discriminate, retaliate, all that stuff, right, that are looking after their family. So it's not about the you that is doing it for out of fear that, oh, my kids will run out of money because money's going to spread to blonde black people or it's going to get re you know, equalized because that equal, you know, that equilibrium was thrown out of balance 600 years ago. Yeah. Like there, and there's a move coming back. I'm not talking about that. You, the one that's motivated by fear, right. Or the you, when you're at, at work and you're like fear motivated, Oh, you know what? The pie is this small. There's only space for two women on this team. Those white guys aren't going to get out or those Indian men are going to get kicked out. So it's me as this light skinned Brown woman or her as this dark skinned Brown woman. Or this other black woman, or this other black man. And so, you know, I need to be the most docile and well behaved of the people of color on this team, or the most obedient and the most within frame of what it means to be assertive and go getter without being aggressive as a woman, right? So when, when we start playing that you, that's the egoic you. That's the you. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't know what else terms to use for it, but that's the version of you that is, a, a, that is attached to certain identities. And it's living into those identities that have been created by other people. Sana as a smiling little baby who always, you know, would respond with a kiss. Or Sana as the actress. Or Sana as the love, let's dress up or go to the club or blah, blah, or loves her shisha. And all these identities as amazing at painting could become a prime minister. Does, does, doesn't know how to be a housewife. It could be any of those things or as an amazing housewife. Those identity attachments are what keep us behaving a certain way, mm-hmm. seeing what we actually really want. Mm-hmm. What we actually really want feels scary and idealistic. It feels like, oh, that person's just living in an ivory tower, and of course they're gonna fail. That wasn't that's not real. And you'll see that this pattern of going for your potential versus playing safe actually relates really well to the economic global markets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The parents that experience the boom raise their kids to go for potential. Mm-hmm. When there is a recession and parents are raised in recession, like a lot of the baby boomers that were pre, you know, like 1929 brought up by their parents mm-hmm. of barely having a job and, and, you know, like getting by, they're raised differently. Keep quiet. Hear no evil, see no evil. Keep working. Don't disturb the, the, the balance. Mm-hmm. So the way, either whichever way you are, at any moment you get to choose and it's like that doesn't mean that the weight of what's happening around you is less no you still process that with people who are in your community so vonda francine you know like um sabah frazine like you know there's a bunch of people that i know now sarah like that i feel like yeah i resonate with these people they see me i see them Mm -hmm. and then once you know you're seen especially by yourself because that's the real work to see yourself, to look in the mirror and say, I fucking love you. Dude, look at what you've been through. Holy shit, you're still here? Happy birthday every single day. Every day. Yeah, and that you still have light in your face and you're killing it. You're loving people, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're weathering through stuff. And what do you want to do with all this power? 
Yeah. You know, it was all, be all this beauty. And right. it's really hard to stay here all the time. It's, it is. This, But this is the work. This is the work when we talk about meditation and this and that. This is that work that those people are doing. That's why they look so freaking serious. It's because mm -hmm. they're processing through their mind and through their body and through their emotions. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is aligned. This is not aligned. This is aligned. This is not aligned. This is aligned every single second. What they eat, what they drink, how they move, how they react, how they process, when they smile. This is extremely important. And so this is what will keep you to your point, Vonda, right? And now I think I can, I feel like I've said. Yeah, yeah, no, that was. You aligned to your career even. It, it, it does, it does. <clears throat> and it's so many things. And I think, you know, one of the key pieces, right, is really, you said about like that light, right? And it, and, and it goes back to the approval piece. So let me tell you, I don't know if I showed you this plaque I have up here. Did I tell you about this plaque? This um, certificate. So when I was getting ready to, so I told you I love coaches mm -hmm. and I feel like I have a big giant board of advisors, right? Like <laughs> um, right. And you're on it, right? Like, like I have a big coach. board. Like, <laughs> like, right. And so, and so one of my coaches, um, uh, she, we had our, when we had our first meeting and I met her, um, on, uh, Black Speakers Network, she did a presentation, blah, blah, blah. But when we had our one-on-one -on -one session and I, she was, you know, asking me some questions, I was telling her my thing, blah, blah, blah. And she said that she got a um, vision of me. She said, she, she said, when she talks and sees me, she said, I'm looking at you. She said, you are that, um, you know, that meme of a, a, a kitty cat, I mean, a, a lion, a kitty cat looking into the mirror and seeing a lion, right? And she yeah. said, she saw me as the lion, but I'm looking into the mirror and seeing myself as a kitty cat. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I think we're all doing that because yeah. if we got to where we got, right. If we got these degrees and this experience and we got in the door of these companies, right. And we got these positions and these titles and all of that. If we got that stuff, then we earned it. We, we damn sure weren't given anything because we did work harder and, yeah. and we weren't, uh, we didn't start on third base, right? Yeah. With nobody on stop, on, on shortstop and nobody guarding the plate, right? We right. didn't start like that. Everything yeah. we had, whatever we did have, we had to work for it unless we, like we talked about in the very beginning, right? Came from an extremely privileged background, but even mm -hmm. with brown skin, it don't matter. You, it matters to a certain extent, but when it comes down to it, right? Well, you, it'll make it harder for you to get to your true self because now you have a, that a another bribe layer. going on there. You have a bribe going on there, right? right. And you don't know it because everybody's doing it. And especially as brown people. we Right. As, as South Asian people, because that's my background, so I can talk to that, right? Um, but I would say that, some of the, that this experience would be similar for Latin American people, depending on how you know, Argentinian fair white they are in terms yeah. of the, the Spanish descent or the, yeah. you know, like the, the Portuguese or the Lebanese descent, et cetera, right? The Syrian descent. Or the, how darker they are in terms of the Afro-Latino. Yeah, like if they got the Caribbean look or more diaspora <laughs> look. I would say colorism comes in within a group. When if it's not within a group, then it's just racism. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just keep it there. So I think the, 
I, but I think what, what, where I'm going with this is that like, so anti-racism is a great example. So I chose, Hey, there's a lot of racism out there. Am I going to choose to then be in opposition to them? Because fighting is draining me. And I'm not saying that we don't need to take a stand. We do, right? But do we want to take a stand by being, by saying, oh, we're going to be defensive and lay back or lean in defensive? Or are we going to charge at them and fight? Because when you're fighting, that becomes a cancer also, depending on how you're fighting. Because then you're fighting yourself before you fight the other person. You're literally drafting all the arguments to prove yourself and your point and fight. Yep. And that person's sitting back and saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. know it. Yeah. So that's one view. Or you can be like, okay, what does it mean to stand in this right now? What feels true to me in how this person yeah. is going through their or hurt or whatever. And I know my people are hurting like this. What does it mean if we all stand as power? What if we start living like the whole world heal from racism? And everybody believed me and my people and my black women and my black men. And everybody believed everybody. You know, and my trans folk. Everybody, right? Say we believed each other. Then how would we choose to live? Because then you break the game. Now you're not playing on in somebody else's game anymore. You are now not playing the outsider's game, that manager's game, the manager's manager's game, this game, that game, your in-laws game. It doesn't matter, right? You're not, or your boyfriend's, you know, ex-girlfriend's game. It doesn't matter. You know, in my case, my, my husband's ex-wife's game, right? Or, or so my own, you know, my own ex-husband's game or somebody else's game. It doesn't matter. In your mind, whatever games exist in there, how do you not play those games? And so I'm going to end there now because I think, like, for me, it's a performance. It's not about anti-anything because that's a different kind of energy. So how do you break the game? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. That is everything. I mean, so there was so much to, um, you know, the conversation. There's so many good pieces there. But helping to really set that you know, frame of understanding for people that they do have a choice. Like we have that choice, right? In terms of how we're going to show up, we have that choice around how we are going to approach and address our issues with approval, right? So um thank you again, my friend. I'm looking forward to getting back with you next Saturday, even though I know we'll talk between then. But, you know, to to just kind of continue on it. Right. Because, you know, really helping people dig into it, because these are realities that we have to face. And you're going to do it, like we said, regardless of the size of the company, the size of the organization, you know, how much market share they have, how many employees. It doesn't matter. But you can choose to play the game your way and you can win at the same time. See you later to everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, my good friend, Sana Akan, I will talk with you soon. Thank and you. Um, peace out, everybody. Take care.